As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Michael, I have a confession for you. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what we usually do. We go over two confessions. At least that's what we've been doing on this season. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we take confessions from our listeners. So that's what I would expect, I guess. Right, but I actually have a confession of my own to make. Oh, did you submit it? <laughs> I, we only have time for two confessions. <laughs> uh, no, all right. None of the confessions are going to go over today were, were mine. I did not submit this confession. I'm just going to make it right here. And it's that later this week, I am taking a day off to do completely nothing. Completely 
Nothing. Okay. I mean, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> it is going to be wonderful. Just a day by myself in an Airbnb right on the lake. A little bit of a self-care day. Uh, I'm going to be doing nothing. And as they say in office space, I'm hoping that it will be everything that I need it to be and more. All right. Well, um, I appreciate the confession. I'm slightly jealous. And <laughs> we should have two more confessions maybe a little bit juicier uh, to dissect here uh, later today on rocketship.fm Welcome to rocketship.fm Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective We are your hosts, Michael Saka and I'm Mike Belsito all right, so let's open up the confessional. Yeah, uh, definitely. I'm ready for that. All right. First, though, we have a very special guest to help us go through these confessions today, and uh, I'd love to have us get to know our guest a little bit first. And our guest today is? Our guest is Sanjeev Kalavar, who's a partner at OpenView Ventures. Now, Sanjeev is relatively new to the team at OpenView, but definitely not new to the world of venture investing. Uh, he's been an angel investor and a venture capitalist since 2011, uh, before OpenView, he was on the investment team at Battery Ventures. Uh, even before that, he was an angel investor. He's invested in companies like Envision and Service Titan through his roles at OpenView and Battery, uh, serving on many boards as well. So you may have seen Sanjeev quoted in pieces in TechCrunch, Forbes, Fortune, Business Insider named him one of the top 23 rising stars in Enterprise VC. So great person to run these confessions by for sure. Yeah, and it's pretty fitting because our first confession actually has a lot to do with venture investors. I mean, maybe it's about Sanjeev himself. I don't think so. At least I, I hope <laughs> not, uh, but we're going to cut right to it. Our first confession is called our investor-driven roadmap. I'm on the product team at a fast-growing consumer tech company here in New York. When I first joined a couple of years ago, my boss told me I'd be getting on a rocket ship and she wasn't wrong. Since that time, the entire organization has tripled, our product team has grown fourfold, and we went from being a Series A company, which just came off a fresh round of 10 million in funding, to one that just raised nearly 100 million. And I can now officially say that I'm part of a unicorn company. So things are going really well for us. Well, sort of. My confession is that I am 100% convinced that our product roadmap is mostly driven by our investors, not our customers. I say that because we had what I thought was a solid roadmap in place. Our head of product has had a customer-driven philosophy from the start. We spent a lot of time analyzing usage, talking to customers, and evaluating our competitors and how their customers interact with their products. Our product team believed in the roadmap. Then our head of product presented it at a big board meeting that was set up. A week later, the roadmap changed. Pretty dramatically, too. A couple of the big products we had planned to launch were now shelved, and instead, there was a brand new product suite that we had never really even talked about before. It certainly didn't come up in any of the customer conversations we had as a big problem area. Many of us on the product team were taken aback by it. I definitely trust our head of product and her vision. I just wish that I fully believed that this roadmap is, in fact, her vision. 
At this point, I'm not quite sure what to believe. A board that seemingly is having a say in roadmap decisions. Not really good. Oh, well, if that's really the case, I'm sure there's some very sad product people out there kind of pouring <laughs> one out for this product person making this confession. But but maybe we should think this through a little bit more. Let's hear what Sanjeev has to say. You know, what I'd love to, to and I'll answer the question directly, but I think there's a broader theme here as well, which is what is the role of the board? Uh, and I'll, I'll try to tackle both uh, in, in in each. But maybe maybe to start out, you know, I, the way I view, and particularly in in this context, the way I view the the role of the board is, uh, and and hopefully this is not the the this is a good analogy, but not the right analogy for your company. And I'll explain why in a second. Is to think of the board as uh, you know the lookout at the very top of the Titanic, right? Ooh. Or at the top of a, a you know, and hopefully it's a, it's a rocket ship and it's 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 a, it's a good outcome, but it's not you know the scenario where the board or the lookout misses the iceberg, right? And so you know the the the, the crew and the the captain of the ship are definitely you know the team, the CEO, and you know kind of everyone working at the company are the folks operating the ship. The board is supposed to provide a higher level view, a strategic view of what's going on in other areas, uh, so that you know, the, 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 the company can share their feedback on the direction they want to go. And then, you know, maybe there's slight adjustments to that that can be made based on what's happening at, at a broader level. Um, so in short, I definitely agree with the sentiment of this, of this confession, which is that, hey, like, you know, we had all of these great ideas, we did all the research and we did all the work and all of a sudden it changed. Why did that happen? And, and, I, and actually, I agree. I don't think that the board should be driving a product roadmap, like full stop. But they can provide feedback on a direction that, you know, the ship is already going or planning to go. And, uh, and maybe there's, there's, there's good reason for that. The other thing I'll say, and I think it's particularly applicable for this, is in consumer companies, sometimes, you know, uh, they don't know what they would have wanted, right? Uh, consumers don't always know until you present them with an, with an opportunity. And... You know, I can't opine on the specifics of you know, of the, this you know product roadmap idea, other than to say that um, I would certainly encourage the confessional, the confessioner, I guess if that's the right term, uh, to you know just really have an open line of communication with you know the VP of product who made the actual decision, with the CEO, and potentially with the board as well to understand you know maybe there's a road, maybe there was an iceberg you know in like. 20 feet ahead of where they thought they were going to go. Something that that I heard also kind of in the same vein of, you know, them being that lookout tower is that uh, this person came saying that their customer research didn't show that this was the direction. Customer research is one point of information. What the board has is often larger market data. They're seeing pitches from companies that might be in the space. They may be seeing revenue numbers that you don't have access to. They may be seeing this greater opportunity for a customer base that you're not currently reaching. And I, I think it's worth considering that, you know, while maybe this was too big of a pivot and, and you have concerns, maybe they, like you're saying, maybe they're, they're seeing something that you are not. And it does require additional research to, to be able to open up those insights where from your vantage point, you're seeing the customer from the board's vantage point, they're seeing the market and reconciling those is probably where the roadmap should be driven. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. And I, I, the reason I brought up the fear point is clear. It, it seemed to when I when I read this confession, it seemed to me, you know, like this person was um, a little angry, right? Mm -hmm. or, or 
you know, and so a little angry, which is okay, by the way, you know, a little angry, but probably the reason for that anger, and this is me, you know, kind of interpreting. So, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I'm interpreting is they probably just didn't feel listened to or heard, yeah. right? It's like yeah. they did all of this work and, you know, all of a sudden you're going to go in a completely different direction. And I don't even understand why. I hope the head of product is listening to this episode too. And <laughs> if you are, maybe you, you, probably realize who's making the confession maybe not hopefully not but if you're in this situation it's like this is a good reminder that it's not just about like making the changes and saying all right here's here's the new roadmap like we got to explain what this is all about and maybe there's really good reason behind the changes um i i'd like to assume there's a good reason for the changes but to your point sanjeev sounds like just a lot of more communication that's needed here within the team. Yeah. And I will say, look, I, I think part of the other role I can play here is that, you know, I'm, I've been a board member at, at, at many companies, you know, all B2B software companies. So it's so a different, you know, kind of scenario, but the, the setup is, is, is the same. And I, I've been surprised at how often folks are intimidated uh, to chat with, with board members, right? Again, going back to the unknown is, is can be a little bit fearful. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I know folks can't see me, but I, I, as a board member, would be very happy to chat with a head of product, a product manager, you know, even a developer or anyone who really has an opinion on a company and wants to talk about it. I think that, uh, you know, that, that folks should take people up on it. I think a, a good board member should just be taking in input and information from from all places and then providing feedback. But again, to the point of the analogy about the ship, the CEO and the team are the one driving the ship. All the board should be doing is, uh, you know, providing feedback and helping you avoid the landmine or the, the iceberg. At this point, let's take a break to hear from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Before the break, we heard the confession called our investor-driven roadmap. It, with perspective from an investor uh, who has been a part of those very board meetings. And I appreciated Sanji's take on things. Yeah, and we have another one to go through. We do. And this confession, well, it's worth a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, I should say, the confession is about something that cost a million dollars. Here's a confession that we're going to call... I made a $1 million mistake. Okay, this is something I don't really want to admit, but I'll just go for it. I made a mistake that cost my company $1 million, and that's something I'll never forget. I'm the VP of product for a SaaS company that works with small businesses. I don't really want to give away what exactly we do, but I'll just say it involves human resources. When we launched our product in 2019, we really struggled with how to price our initial platform. There was a lower price and a higher price. And ultimately, we settled in on the lower price. Last year, we decided to launch a couple of new features. And we decided that we'd be increasing our pricing. 
To test things out though, I started testing the new pricing model before we actually launched the new features with 100 potential customers. They hadn't had much experience with our product before, so they didn't even really know the old pricing. I worked closely with our top account manager to actually do the sales pitch. Here's the thing. His close rate was the exact same as it was when we offered the lower tier pricing. We moved on with increasing the pricing after introducing the new features and all has been okay. Nobody has really paid much attention to this change internally, but I did the calculations. If we had started with the higher pricing, it would have made a $1 million difference to the bottom line. Honestly, I'm pretty ashamed by that. So there it is, my $1 million mistake. So according to this person making the confession, this mistake cost them a million dollars. Yeah, although they may be a little hard on themselves with this one, but let's see what Sanjeev has to say. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great confession. Um, I'm sure it's something that, you know, almost all product people have had, you know, questions about, right? Am I pricing too high? Am I pricing too low? Specifically in software, unfortunately, there's no right answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would say, you know, look, it is unfortunately just something, it's it's a fact of life, right? It's going to happen. We're going to underprice deals. And, you know, I think if it makes you feel any better, like this, this, again, the feeling that I felt, you know, when reading this confession or hearing this confession was, uh, was, was a little bit of shame, right? And he or she said it specifically around shame. And uh, the only thing I can say is I think everyone else has done it too, right? And also, you know, it's a great lesson because if you look at it on the, if you view the glass half full, you've got a million dollars that you lost on those hundred customers, but now you've got 10 million, a hundred million more that you've got on the next thousand customers, right? And so I wouldn't necessarily view it as, you know, you lost a million bucks. You, you learned uh, from that, that million dollar quote unquote mistake, but I think that improves the potential and the future of the business significantly. And I think I'm reading between the lines here. It, it's it's a little bit unclear, but I, but I, I think it's a, a, a subscription business. And if that's the case, you know, um, I, I'm not trying to screw the end customers, but you know, you can probably get it back on the next <laughs> on the next renewal too. So I don't even think it's that it's that much of a a, a loss in in the, in the long term. Yeah, this is. I mean, hey, it's like on you could say that you made this million dollar mistake. On the other hand. You also created a product that seems to be generating a good amount of revenue already. And we wish that we could all be sort of the future, you know, future seers where we knew the exact price to pick, but that's not how the product world works. So I wouldn't, I mean, if I'm this person, I wouldn't, I, it's good to recognize this, by the way. So the next time around, you could be thoughtful about pricing, but also wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself to get it exactly right 100% of the time. It's just not. The way it works, right? Yeah. And hey, I would almost say congratulations. You increased the price and you didn't in you know, you didn't lose anything in the conversion rate. That's amazing. You really have delivered and created and your team has created a product that uh is delivering huge value to your customers and and clearly they're willing to pay more for it. So I, I would I would almost flip it and say, hey, congrats, don't be ashamed. And there's probably more. I mean, if you haven't even hit the ceiling of where that uh, where the decline is in terms of your close rate, it could even go higher. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's that's a that's a great point. 
Um, and I think, by the way, I think this is a larger thing, you know, sitting uh, being an investor and seeing a lot of really product centric CEOs and founders come across my desk. One of the common things I see is that, you know, product centric folks, uh, you know, again, not true for everyone, but in many cases can tend to undervalue their, their own products, which is unfortunate, right? Because it's, they're so good at building amazing product that delivers you know, tremendous value to their customers. And then they don't capture, you know, nearly enough of that. And so your point around, hey, maybe you haven't even hit the the the, the right price point yet is, is a good push, right? Because there, there's probably room on top of that. So I, again, I would say, congrats. This is, a, you know, this is a learning. Um, yeah. yeah. The other thing, this is kind of uh, not exactly relevant, but, it, you know, it, it it's a similar concept. Uh, which which uh, I'll, I'll share, and it's it's more you know on the venture capital side. So I've been in the venture capital world. I started as an operator, but you know uh, was I've now been on the venture capital side for about eight eight nine years. Um, and uh, one of the things yeah. that someone told me early on that Absolutely. you know was diff- very diff- very difficult to forget uh, was that it, it takes about. 20 to 25 million dollars of lost dollars to train a good venture capitalist <laughs> and i i certainly hope that i i don't you know i didn't take 20 to 25 million dollars of, of lost investments to do that I, I, you know we don't have the data frankly to, to suggest that but you know uh, if that makes you feel any better uh mr or mrs product person uh there are a lot of more expensive uh, ways to train and to learn too um and 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 to your point uh, you know, if it's a recurring revenue business, you can get it back on the next renewal. Uh, venture capital dollars, unfortunately, you get one time to put them in, and <laughs> hopefully one time to get them out, but, but you don't get to make it up on the next go. So, uh, so I, I don't know if that, uh, if that, that that's uh, interesting or helpful too. Two more confessions now in the books. And these ones are pretty good, I'd say, weren't they? A pretty constructive confessions yeah. I think we could yeah. learn from. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot to learn from these, a lot to take away. And we always do end these episodes with one big takeaway from each of us. So I may as well start. I'm going with a takeaway from the investor-driven roadmap confession. There's probably quite a few takeaways to be pulled out of this one. But one that will stick with me is that the board of directors is meant to really guide, right? Not direct, not dictate, not write a roadmap. Now, that goes both ways, though. In this case, the person making the confession seemed to quickly infer that the board changed the roadmap, and maybe they did. And if that's the case, well, you know, that's probably wrong. It's probably a bad relationship happening there. Boards aren't meant to do that, but they are meant to provide guidance, advice, give feedback, maybe challenge the founders and the executive team's assumptions um, about how they're thinking about things, giving them a, a different perspective on the market. In this case, perhaps the board brought up some issues that the team simply wasn't thinking about, and that is a good thing, and they provided some kind of input, and the roadmap changed as a result. That's okay. That's actually what the board is for. So let's embrace that. Of course, we shouldn't confuse guidance and advice with directives. And I I think some more communication internally really needs to happen so that this product manager knows why these changes are happening and what kind of conversation led to it. So we don't have this kind of conspiracy theory flying around about the all-powerful board. So let's assume some positive intent and embrace the advice that the board is giving. And, you know, that's really what they're meant to do. Yeah, fair enough on that one for sure. And and yeah, hey, 
I even admit that when I first heard the confession, my mind went right to the board shouldn't be telling them what to do and and they shouldn't, but you know, that, that might not be what's actually <laughs> going on here. So yeah, I think it's it's good for us to think that one through and and thank you for the perspective, Michael. Um and I I'm I'm gonna add another takeaway here, but I'm gonna go with the I made a million dollar mistake confession. And and that takeaway here is that as product people, it's literally impossible to know exactly how our products should be priced initially. Uh, and actually pricing aside, every product decision we make, it's literally impossible to know if we're making the right move. I mean, everything is only clear in retrospect. All we could do is make calculated decisions based on the information we have and learn from it. So, you know, sure, we, we can experiment, do A-B testing, all of that. Those are, those are good things that will help us uh, inform things. But even these things are really just meant to help us make more informed decisions. They still won't tell us exactly what the right move is, what we, exactly we should do, whether it's pricing or any other product decision. So product people, I would just say, please cut yourself a little bit of slack when you realize that maybe you could have made a better decision in retrospect uh, and, and just learn from it. Let it help you for that next decision, you know, so that next time around you can use this experience and make a even more informed decision. So I, that's my takeaways. We can't tell the future as product people. All we could do is use the information that we have to make the best decisions we can and then learn from those. Yeah. I mean, well put Mike, I think we ought to show a little bit more grace to ourselves when it comes to things like this. Yeah. So whoever needed to hear this today, well, I hope this message is coming through loud and clear to you. Well, with that, we'll wrap up today's episode. And we'll get prepared for two more confessions coming in next week. Same place, same time. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com. Dot com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.